Welcome back to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Man, was it an eventful match against Aston Villa? I think we're going to probably spend the whole episode talking about that, breaking down all the intricacies and details and... Oh, wait. No. Bombshell. Completely blew up. Graham Potter is gone. Potter is out. It this came is exclusive. As a yeah. It's a Blues on Parade exclusive. We're, we're recording early in the day. We know that Fabrizio and Ornstein are about to tweet it, so we're announcing it right now, but we'll post this episode later. You're just going to have to take our word for it that we knew it before everyone else. But, man, uh, I didn't think this was, this was happening, but it happened. It, it was deserved. Like, we thought that maybe it should have happened, but I didn't think it would happen. I mean, Andreas, I'll start off with you. Initial feelings about the uh, the news? Shocked of the timing. Relieved in a weird way. And at the same time, I'm a little bummed out because I wanted Potter when he was appointed. So it just sucks. So you're officially just- wrong. That's that's what you're yeah. upset about having the wrong opinion. No, no, no. I look. Listen, I enjoyed Potter at Brighton. I just didn't enjoy him here at Chelsea. It's a bummer. It's a bummer that like a guy that you rated elsewhere just was not a big enough fish for this bigger pond. It's it's even worse when his replacement is doing a better job than him, even at Brighton. Um, and, and I was gonna get to that as like the craziest part of all this. Like maybe he's the reason Brighton still wasn't succeeding as much as they were. You know, oh, like there's, there's layers holding, to this. He was holding back Brighton. Wow, Zach, <laughs> I'm in a great are, fucking are we, mood, guys. Yeah, yeah I'm in a great fucking mood. I'm not even gonna lie. I mean, like, is there any other reaction that our usual listeners would expect from me after the last couple weeks and the rhetoric that came out of my mouth towards Graham Potter? No, it's been a long time coming. I think it's, uh, I think the sacking was a little late in my opinion. Um, but it happened. And, and I think the most important thing now is focusing on what's most, um, important to us Chelsea fans, and that's finally getting that weight off of our backs, feeling like we're constantly sinking and drowning further under Potter. Now it feels like there's sort of a, I don't want to say a clean slate, because there's so much baggage that comes with this job, um, but it does give me a sense of renewed hope, um, not necessarily for this season, but just in the future in general, because under Potter, I mean, I really just couldn't see any sort of future that involved success and trophies man after that villa match i could never ever imagine that you starting off this episode saying i'm in a great fucking mood (laughs) 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 because i was in a bad mood and this is the only thing that can make me feel better (laughs) yeah pretty much i mean a good mood Considering the circumstances, let's just put it that way. Like this is as happy as I'll be with Chelsea in eleven in eleventh place. The fact yeah, that we because... sack our manager and can finally fucking move on as a club 
because we already accepted the fact that we weren't competing for anything in the league anymore. Like, the only thing is stay out of the bottom three, don't get relegated, and hmm. let's move on to next year. But, um, so I think, so I guess, yeah, the losses don't hurt as much as they used to. Uh, now that I've officially given up on that, on that part of the season, still have Champions League, but I think the, you know, you're talking about the timing. It should have happened sooner. Like, it 100% should have. But, you know, with the new ownership, I think a big thing for them was, like, we kind of want to change our ways or, you know, instead of, you know, firing the manager after just, like, you know, a short spell of bad results, bringing in a new one, just having that carousel. We're going to, you know, implement someone who's going to be here long-term. You know, like what they're doing at Liverpool, what they did at Man City. And we're on their, they're on their third manager now. Um, well, the, the, if you don't count the Bruno as the interim, the next one will be the third manager that they're on. Um, I can't so, believe that old guy that used to play, what was it, left back for Brighton or right back for Brighton five or six yeah. years ago is now our interim <laughs> manager. Like, I remember watching him play for Brighton years ago and being like, this dude's still playing. <laughs> yes we had Bruno as our manager it's awesome yeah uh yeah. but yeah again like uh, that it wouldn't uh, it probably should happen sooner but and i think we all were kind of under the understanding that this is going to last until the end of the year but you know i think what happened i mean there there's there's not too much information about what actually pushed it over the edge where this match was what made the board and everyone at Chelsea decide, okay, enough is enough, you're gone. Uh, Matt Law, he reported that the players were kind of stunned to find out about it, and they did find out via club statement. Um, the decision was led by Stewart and Win Stanley, which is very interesting because those are both uh grand potter boys and it's it was so bad that they even turned on him <laughs> i mean I, would, I wouldn't call it turning on him because yeah your job is now to protect the best interests of our club and that move was to protect the best interests of our club but as of now no immediate successor lined up i think another reason why they didn't want to sack him is because of the financial obligation of doing so but it's been reported that Chelsea do not have to pay the full value of Potter's contract, which would have been about 50 million pounds or euros. Um, but I don't know how they were able to get out of that. Probably some clause in the contract for something. Um, but yeah, he also stated that some players began to question Potter's match decision-making. I know I started to question it when I saw Reese James and Kukurea alongside uh, Ball Act 3. But uh, Potter's time at Chelsea, let's just quickly you know, run through what he's done in his uh, very memorable six months. Has it even <laughs> been six months with the club? This should take um, about seven. three seconds, this segment. <laughs> uh, Potter's time at Chelsea. 22 matches, 21 goals scored, 21 goals conceded, 
28.3 expected goals versus 27.2 opponent expected goals. Uh, he had a 39% win percentage, including 30% in the Premier League, which is the second worst ever for a Chelsea manager. Is, is, do you guys know who the first one is? Any Glenn guesses? Hoddle. Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle, oh. I think, is the worst. Seven wins, seven draws, eight losses. Obviously, the only thing that he'll be remembered for are his two big wins against Milan and Dortmund. Um, so, Champions League, you know, the, the only reason why we're still in it. I don't know how much credit I'm going to give him for it, but hey, you know, that, that's something good that he did. Obviously, Southampton getting thrashed by City. The way we lost to Spurs, Fulham, Leeds. Now, this week, I mean, we're Bad, bad losses. Um, and, you know, not a single victory versus teams above Chelsea on the table in the Premier League. That is an insane stat. We're in 11th right now. We're in the bottom half of the table. We don't have a single victory against teams above us. Is and that we also, real? We also failed to score a goal in the weekend that featured the most goals in the Premier League this season. <laughs> we were the only team that didn't score. We scored. Fucking we wild. scored one goal in the whole month of February. Good Did, lord! Right? Didn't we score yeah, one? February goal? February we scored one goal. It was, it was the Joao Felix, Felix goal. One goal of the year or goal of the month against against West Ham. Good lord! A game that we also didn't win. Oh my god! Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, the point being, it's been a long time coming. I think, right? I said a lot of bad stuff and very, very little good stuff. It, it was a dis- this was a disaster. Disaster signing. If you take into consideration his predecessor in Thomas Tuchel, what he did for this club, obviously the rough start to the season, I wanted him sacked. He did get sacked. So I'm not saying, like, looking back, like, we should have kept Thomas Tuchel. But... From drop off going, in quality. Yeah, from going from that to this, after we had such high expectations, how much money we spent to Brighton, how much we paid Brighton for him. I mean, they yeah. they came out like bandits, and now Thomas Tuchel <laughs> at Bayern. I mean, what that is honest, first match. Hey, Tom, <laughs> Thomas Tuchel getting hired, domino effect probably led to this because. Him getting hired meant Nagelsmann was out. Nagelsmann being available. That was ultimately probably the linchpin that, that did yeah. it, right? Yeah. I, I, 100%. Before we get to that, you, we, you mentioned some that Potter didn't beat any teams above him on the table. I hate to do this, but it took Tuchel one match to do that at Bayern. Hmm. Well, now there's no, and and now there's no teams above him, <laughs> right? No, but but I and, really do think it, that it's the craziest run of dominoes to yeah. to get here. Like it, this was not the timing of it was not like oh this was the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. I think it's uh, Bayern fires Nagelsmann, Bayern fi- uh, hires Tuchel, Chelsea loses to Aston Villa. We have a Red Bull Leipzig member of the board that probably would love to work with a former Red Bull Leipzig manager. 
yeah. who would probably like to work with his former best player from Red Bull Leipzig next season. Like, it's it's way too convenient and opportunistic to not be because Nagelsmann got fired. Wait, I th- when you said his best player, I thought you were hinting that we might buy Timo Werner back, but then I, <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I realized Nkunku, what you meant. Nkunku, Nkunku. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I like, mean, wait. Listen, there's Nkunku, and then the other interesting one, and, and, and this is just, I'm going to throw this out there just for shits and giggles, but we're also going to need a long-term replacement for uh, Thiago Silva, and no, no, if no, I no, recall no. correctly, he purchased Gavardio. That was like one of his last signings. All right. Leipzig, so. We've already established we have too many center backs. We're going to spend $750 million this summer. We're going to buy 12 <laughs> more players. Because we, yeah. <laughs> we we're not already center- under FFP scope. Look, we're yeah, under, right? we're, we have too many center backs. And last week we started Kukurea and Reese James as center backs. And we finished that with Chilwell. And he got fired. And, and he got fired for it. Good. Oh, my God. I mean, can I just say something? Um, of I just course. Wanna, I, I, I want to get this off my chest. Um, obviously, we're happy that Potter was gone, but I actually had a note written um, in my match day notes. So obviously, before Potter got sacked. But I wrote that if the board, and especially Bowley, decide not to sack Graham Potter... I mean, it can potentially be catastrophic for their reign at Chelsea. And I know it's just the first year, but just imagine a world where we keep Graham Potter through the end of the season, regardless of losing all these games to all of these shitty teams. And every single week, the toxicity around the club has been getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. The fact that Bowley and the board did this, I think, protects them more than anybody else. But at the same time, I saw a report from Simon Johnson saying that they were surprised about the fan backlash. This should be a fucking lesson to them that maybe the fans might have an idea of what we're talking about. If we start voicing our discontent and it takes you 11 or 12 matches for you to be like, okay, maybe they're right. This might not be the guy for the job. That should be a red flag for the next time that rolls around. Maybe take the fan sentiment a little bit more to heart in that respect. Like, I don't feel disrespected by the board. I'm not trying to come off that way. But like to see the report that they were surprised that the fans reacted the way they did when results went badly. Um, excuse me, did you do any research on the club? Did you do any research toward the, towards the end of Rafa's reign or Mourinho's second stint? Like, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's kind of mind-blowing. Or even during Sari, when we were literally booing our manager off the pitch every single match. Like, it, it, it's kind of crazy to me that that was a headline coming out of all of this. But I, di- uh. I, I did want to get it off my chest and say, I'm happy they did it. I think that they saved their reputations. I don't necessarily think it's a clean slate for them. I think they're still treading pretty dangerous water because let's be honest, if it's Nagelsmann, if it's Luis Enrique, if it's Pochettino, if it's whoever, it doesn't matter who comes in next. It has to work because they stuck to their guns the first time around and it didn't work. You know, they're going to do this quote-unquote exhaustive search for this manager. I'm pretty damn sure they're going to stick to their guns this time around. They better. Otherwise, it's going to show extreme weakness. But if it doesn't work, then there's going to be some serious doubts from fans and from me, you know, just in general, about the way the club's being run and the decisions that are being made. So I do want to throw that out there. Okay, two two points. I think it's a double-edged sword. If you know they, they keep him, they stick to their word, 
of okay we want to change the culture at chelsea we don't want to be one of those clubs that just gets rid of managers like look at other managers that you know they they needed time to get the established and you know during those first years or two the fans hated them but they turned it around you know like that's that's a that's a reasonable belief to have it from your man from your owners and then the other side is if you keep them for too long they might destroy your club so it's like there's no win in either decision but you know like what you were saying zach about them being shocked about the fans backlash you even said you got to take every report with a grain of salt because i don't think they're surprised that the fans are upset with with losing results 11th yeah there's that's not they shouldn't be surprised by that you know that's that's it's not a thing that's unique to football that's not a thing that's unique to chelsea football club that's that's sports in general if your team is losing your fans are gonna be mad i think what you know like so like again like like i said there was no winning for them i agree with you that they have to make this next hiring needs to be the right decision because they want to stick by that that ideal of long-term manager building something yeah and he needs to have immediate results or else the fans won't buy in mm-hmm. so it's so important i don't even think it's results i think the thing that frustrated everybody with potter because andres i know you can attest to this too cuz me and you were pretty much in the same boat up until you know, the last month and a half, two months of Potter. Actually, since we got back from the World Cup, the wheels kind of fell off. But anyways, like, you know, Potter came in. We obviously give him a chance um, to, you know, build and create something for a long-term future. And it wasn't the fact that we weren't winning games because we were still coming into the podcast when we're losing and drawing and saying, okay, you know, it's a process. He's going to be here next season. There's no point bitching and whining about the result. Let's actually talk about the performance. But the performance was the actual issue. It wasn't the results. It was the fact that every single week we would come in, it would be a different group of players playing a different system with different tactics. And or we wouldn't even be able to tell what kind of tactics are even being deployed whatsoever. Just like against Villa. It was very much a let's pass the ball around our back three until one of the you know, one of the players in our front three makes a run in behind. It, it, yeah. So I think that was a big frustration with Potter. Wasn't necessarily the results. So I think it's wrong to say the next manager that comes in, we need to see results right away because that's, it's unrealistic. And we said that about Potter too. You're coming in without a preseason. These aren't necessarily your players. Half the guys have one foot out the door. You have injuries to Conte and Reese and Chilla at the time. It's going to be hard to come in and you know, hit the ground running and get nine out of 12 points in your first four matches, for example. But I think the big thing is whoever comes in next, there needs to be a clear ideology, a, a, a clear thought process, a, 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 a physical representation of how we want to play needs to be shown by the players week in and week out. And it needs to progress week in and week out. It can't just be this stale, you know, 78% possession football with a 1.02 XG every single week. You know, so as long as there is some sort of tangible improvements, I don't think at least, for, and I'm only speaking for myself, but I don't, I won't be fussed by that. I want to see a guy come in and still an ideology and still a way of playing and see improvements week in and week out. And then next season, that's when the results actually start. Or let's say, for example, if we don't bring in a manager until that, until that next season, 
then we go back and say, okay, it's your first season in charge. We just need to see some sort of improvement between now and the end of the season. If we don't see that, you know, we'll let the next guy get to the front of the queue. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, that's that's the the tough part for me right now because it's already shitty. Like it, the the environment's shitty. So like, if a new manager comes in, what if he struggles at the beginning? Like, who says the fans that are at the stadium and stuff are actually going to be preaching patience at this point? Like, I get that you'd want him. Like, I I see the argument where it's like, oh, get the new manager, and now he gets to see the team. He needs to figure out who he's going to use, who he's not going to use. I say like. Let the manager get signed to start in the preseason. Just get a clean slate. Let these guys go away and come back. And he can be hired on to start in the preseason, but he can already be watching, scouting, get get access to like data, get access to all the information. And now, since he knows his team is is Chelsea come July 1st or June 1st, whenever the preseason officially starts. He is doing his homework. He is watching the players. He is watching what they're putting out. And and he can have a clean, fresh start with what we have. Like, I think we're all under the same boat that we think it's Nagelsmann or, or bust at the time. So if I'm Julian Nagelsmann, no, I don't want to come in and start working at Chelsea next week. I don't yeah, think there's any benefits to that. I don't think mm-hmm. there's benefits. Is the Chelsea project interesting? Sure. Do I want to come in next week? No. I think... The new manager needs the fresh start. He needs to be behind closed doors. He needs to have a full, fresh reset, not a match every seven, every four days, not the pressure of beating Real Madrid. Like, as much as I would love for Nogglesman to somehow get to face off Thomas Tuchel and his former employer in a Champions League semifinal, it would be the stuff of dreams. It would be, like, the biggest like headline-wise club match in a long time across world football. I just don't think that's beneficial to anybody involved. Like It's beneficial to a, me. It's beneficial to us fans, sure. The, the, the drama. <laughs> the, 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 but, but for the guy getting hired, that it's a lose-lose, man. Like this, There is nothing to salvage in this ship right now outside of Champions League. And it's just like yeah. it, it's a hard sell. My point is that it's a very, very hard sell to get the guy to come in, not tomorrow, but like post-Liverpool, because that's it, the, the realistic timeline here. Yeah, I mean, I, like going back to my point earlier about, you know, the new manager coming in and focusing on just improving week in and week out, as opposed to just strictly the results. I think the responsibility from the club's perspective in terms of making sure that whoever does come in is going to be placed in an environment where they're not going to be at a deficit from day one, which is what you're alluding to, Andres. Let's be real. If Nagelsmann signs a contract and comes in, walks into Cobham tomorrow, it's going to start out on a negative note. Yeah. You know, there's, there's there's an overblown squad. You have maybe 10 or 12 players that aren't going to be there next year. Half the guys have a foot out the door. You're dealing with injuries, guys coming back from injuries off the tail end of the worst defeat of the season, if you ask me, just in terms of the style of it. Um, it, it, There's no 
positive way that Nogglesman or John, not even just Nogglesman. I mean, even if you bring in a, a, a manager that's a sort of quote unquote quick fix or short term, it's like a Mourinho style manager. They're not going to come in and make things positive overnight. It's just it's not going to happen. So the club has a really huge responsibility here to make sure that whoever does come in is going to have the environment around them that's going to set them up for success. That way, the club don't have any sort of question marks like they in other words, they got to cross their T's and, and dot their I's with this one. You know, it's very risky business to bring anyone in at this point to just kind of say, here, you'll be better than the last guy. Because, yeah, sure, I, I'm sure you could probably pluck 10 or 15 managers that might be better than the last guy. But for the long term, is that really what you want? You know, Are we just talking about winning three or four matches out of the next 10 or 11 we have in the league? Or are we talking about building something that could potentially put us in the driver's seat for a, pr a Premier League title next year. And that's, that's the main thing. Because if you think about it, the only reason to appoint a manager now is to try to win the Champions League. Because you're thinking, yeah. mm -hmm. okay, there's no way we qualify. I think we're mathematically, we're officially mathematically eliminated from top four, I believe. But even before then, there was no way. So the alternative is continuing with an interim manager and we won our first Champions League with an interim manager. I mean, we won AV... our second Champions League with what was at the time an yeah, interim the, manager. Right, at the time. But I mean, but this was this is like uh, it's it's different because this is like a member of the staff taking over. You right, know, right, AVB right. AVB was also a new manager that season. They hired him that year. And they sacked yeah. him, like, around the same time. Actually, I want to say it was even sooner. Like, sometime in March, he was sacked. Um, uh, so, AVB was sacked early, I, earlier towards I do remember, the winter. Yeah, because I remember, like, I remember Di Matteo took over in the round of 16, like, in the knockout stage. The second match, the second match of the round of 16 against Napoli. Right. We were down 3-1. And mm -hmm. his first match was to try to come back from that deficit. Right, right. You're 100%. So it was even sooner. So, like, can Bruno do it? Who knows? Like, we've seen crazier shit happen at Chelsea Football Club. You know? I mean, I, I think going ahead with it with an interim manager for this season is fine. I'm okay with that. We did get a Twitter question along these lines. We kind of already answered it, but I do want to shout it out because all of our other questions were about the Villa match, and we kind of decided we're not going to talk about the Villa match. So um, sorry to everyone who wrote in. Your questions are we'll, now we'll, relevant we'll go to full us. Roy, we'll go full Roy Kent with the review of the Villa match. It was shit. <laughs> it, was, it was shit. Or I'll go, I'll go uh, Jamie Tart. It was all poopy. Um, human capital department just wrote in like 20 minutes ago at human capital department or at hc department with potter finally sacked who should the blues look to appoint and would it not be better to bring in a new manager now rather than wait until the end of the season the squad seems too big and need for a clear out the new manager should make these decisions so we kind of answered that second part i mean we didn't as really a... address the squad as much yeah. but like i do want to 
I just want to talk about the squad before we talk about like who this who we should appoint. Um, because like, so what do you say to those people who look at Chelsea's spe- spending spree this past you know six months whatever? The amount of money that was spent, we still have no striker, we still have no DM. Our goalkeeper is okay, you know, but still, like, those are three of the most important positions on a squad, and we still don't have anyone there. Like, what do you say to the people that kind of put the blame, like, on the players for getting these results? Like, how, how much blame is there to put on Graham Potter when maybe he's not even b- being given the right team to win it? Zach? Yeah, I would say to that person that they're correct in a certain sense. Like it, to to look at this situation, you know, whether you're a Chelsea fan or not a Chelsea fan, just looking at it very objectively, the fact is that the squad isn't good enough and hasn't been good enough for quite a while now. There's a lot of deadwood in the team that's been there for a while as well, um, and some personalities that just don't necessarily mesh. And you have a combination of players across. God knows how many different managers. I mean, this squad is comprised of maybe five or six different managers and their players. Um, so it's, it, it is difficult for a guy like Potter to come in, manage those guys, and on top of that, get so many new players to come in and try to work them into the team and get a tune out of them, especially when a lot of them aren't necessarily tried and proven. A lot of them are younger and um and, and no and pretty premier raw. league experience no premier league experience you're looking like madweke you're looking at the mudricks of the world enzo hit Body the ground running but he's just a fucking outlier i mean he's he's brilliant but he, he's the exception to the rule yeah i think he's the exception him and Badia Shiel, i would say are the exceptions for the guys that came from outside the premier league but you know to say that potter didn't have anything to do with this is 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 fucking ridiculous as well i mean we talked about the match the, the decision making in the matches we talk about some of the squad selection the over rotation um chopping and changing the formations chopping and changing the tactics just the inconsistency week in and week out and you know that's 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 just the on field product but we also look at you know his ability to motivate and his ability to make the right adjustments at halftime and his ability to kind of be the equalizer for the opposition manager and whatever tactics he's trying to employ. And we just didn't see any of that. So, you know, to say that it's all on the players is ridiculous in a sense, but it's true in a sense as well. And you can make the same argument if you blame Potter a hundred percent for what happened. Um, But look, let's be real. It's a combination of both. And this is a result of the previous ownership, the way that they decided to run things. Yes, we won Champions Leagues. No, I wouldn't take any of them back, but this is a consequence of being a sort of short-termist, win-first football club for the better part of the last 20 years. So now we're starting to see the issues in transitioning to sort of be that quote-unquote modern football club that we see Arsenal, Liverpool, even now Man United is starting to do it now in terms of bringing in a young guy, or not a young guy, but bringing in a manager and giving him sort of a clean slate and a bunch of money and time. So it's a combination of a bunch of things. But for me, you have to be real. Sorry to cut you off, Andres. Just one last thing. The players are always going to be more difficult to change than the manager. I mean, that's just the reality of the game. So whatever your opinion is on who's more at fault or whatever, 
just know the manager's always going to get the sack before any of the players do. So it's just the way life oh, works. Of course. I, I think it's 50-50, though, because we went through the stats, and in 22 matches, Chelsea only conceded 21 goals. So, like, some of the tactics were working, and then we only scored 21 goals. And if you watch this weekend, sure, it was weird, but we took 27 shots. Zero went in. Mudrick misses two fucking easy-ass chances. Like, and that's not the first time we miss sitters. We miss sitters on a consistent basis. So, like, Sam, you're talking about the players that's missing. We, we just don't have a guy that scores goals. We haven't. We haven't had a guy. Like, Liverpool has Salah who can give you 20. Like, Tottenham, who are shit, have Harry Kane. So, they're still up there for a bit. Like, United have Rashford. City have Holland. Arsenal. Arsenal is the only – they're at top of the league, and they have a variety. They're scoring from everywhere. But the last time we won the Premier League, we had Diego Costa. Simple as that. Like, our, our league is shit. We don't have a guy that scores. We don't. And, and like, part of me is like, okay, the tactics were there because, again, the, the amount of chances we create per game were there. But at the same time, Potter needs to do better to – Sort of, he he needed to have balls. That's the way I say it. And I don't mean balls to like uh, say things in the press or things like that. But he, I think he did not put enough pressure back on the players to get enough of a response from them to need to perform on the pitch. The players loved him because they never thought they were doing anything wrong. They always felt like, oh, we'll get them next week because the manager says the boys gave everything. They're looking great in training. We are millimeters away from getting everything to work. It was always too positive. And sometimes too positive is is toxic because now all these guys get too lax. They're, they're, they don't feel the pressure of being a Chelsea player, the weight of the badge. And that starts from the top. So I think it's 50-50. I think, I think the reason I also am all for an interim manager for the rest of the season is let make these players feel they don't know if they're going to be here next year. Because the new manager is not here to tell them, oh, I like you. It's just a tryout now from now until the end of the year. Let's say Chelsea does hire Nagelsmann, but he says that he's going to be waiting till the summer. You don't have conversations with that guy week in, week out. Just all he gets to watch is you play. I think it's time to flip the script on these players and and make them take some responsibility under under Bruno. That's how I want to see it. Because I think for far too long, our players in the recent history of Chelsea get a pass. So that's my stance on that. Straight into the point, Andreas, huh? You're not no cutting not cutting anyone any slack. No, I think everybody needs to look in the mirror. Yeah, he's 100% right. Like, a part of me wants to say that, like, we should just be bringing in a guy that's batshit crazy, that the players are terrified of, that'll tear down every single wall in the dressing room if things aren't going their way. But then again, on the other hand, like, those are all short-term mismanagers. There's nobody really out there like that anyways, besides Mourinho, who's obviously not going to come back. But, yeah, the players need to fucking take some responsibility. Like use their use their tactic against them basically like if they when they stop 
playing for a manager. That manager gets sacked. The new manager comes in. There's a bounce. We have our little high time. And then that manager gets sacked and rinse and repeat. Well, if the players don't know that their long-term future at Chelsea is there, then like Andres said, it creates an open tryout for everybody. But I think this season is actually going to be a little bit different than years past where we've sacked managers midway through because the squad is so damn big. Like now, instead of having 24 guys competing for a spot, you have up over 30. Okay, but but that's where the board can step in and be like, yo, Bruno, you're an intern manager. These are yeah. the guys you play. We, Fuck we the just old signed, dudes. You, exactly. You, you don't, you don't yeah. give that pressure to the new manager where there's no time for him to be like friendly with the batch of players that he's yeah. going to keep in the long term. Like that's why I say like the, the, the interim manager is a puppet at this point. He runs yeah. the training and he's going to do what the big bosses are saying. And I think that's what needs to happen for now. What, but, but you hire a guy like we need to hire whoever comes next in the next couple of weeks to come like, so that that person knows June, this is the team I have. And be in the shadows working his fucking craziness. Like Conte was in, we told Conte, you're going to be our manager. He went to the Euros, finished with Italy, and he was ready. Like mm-hmm. he came, showed up, and he was ready to go. Like that's what I want to see from the next manager and let the board do the clearing out. The manager mm. can start scouting, getting all the data in the background, in the shadows with no voices. No, oh, this guy's a locker room favorite. No, oh, this guy's got a long tenure with the club. None of that shit. The board needs to clear that mess, and, and we don't need to muddy those waters for the manager. He comes in day one of the preseason, and hey, day one, you can be like, you know what, dude? I'm not going to use you. You have three months to get out of here. Talk to your agent. And that's like a business decision. You can shake hands and be like, I disagree with you, but I'm out. All right, deuces. I'll go practice with my coaches. I won't come back to Cobham this summer. I'll find a new team. And you just get to avoid any bad blood, any potential viruses going into next season and already be carrying some sort of burden in the summer. So what you're saying is Bruno's going to start Kai Havertz and Ziyech next match. No, on the contrary. I think Bruno, <laughs> Bruno's no, we're done seeing Aubameyang. We're done seeing Ziyech. I think Please maybe God, we'll start let's seeing, be done seeing Kai. Like, I don't know. Hey, hey if oh, Nagelsmann's the coach, I think you're stuck yeah. with Kai another year. Like, we're going to see a lot, me? a lot of Kai Havertz next year. Like, yeah. So, in my, from my point of view, is, is no more Aubameyang, no more Ziyech, which we've already not seen, but perhaps Mason Mount gets reintroduced early. Mm-hmm. like little things like that because he does have a up and down contract if a new manager gets announced maybe this is the chance to get him to like let's fix up whatever's going on in the background like i think those are the political moves you're going to see you're going to see um more of body shield at center back than than kukureya at center back more um less of rlc at wing back like things like yeah. that i was going to mention guys like i think guys that are sort of been around the club a lot but haven't necessarily stamped their name like an rlc for example i think a guy like dave is definitely not going to see more minutes between now and the end of the season because right he was basically gone at the end of last year so you can look at him and say okay with a tiago silva situation i think you take that and be super careful with it let's not bring him back for the rest of the season at this point who gives a shit let's make sure he comes back next season 110 percent ready to play for whoever the new manager is. He but plays Madrid now, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. And between now and then, you get 
guys like Trevor Chalaba, his last go at this squad, because I think that's another guy, especially with Colwell being so damn good this year. Chalaba's going to have a big problem on his hands keeping his spot in the squad next season. So that's maybe another guy that's going to have an opportunity to come in and stake his claim and make it his. But then there are some other players that were actually pretty decent under Potter that's going to be interesting to see how that translates to new managers. Like, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is Connor Gallagher, right? And I know our bet is still outstanding. And the <laughs> fact that, that Potter got sacked might pose well for our bet because maybe Gallagher will be starting more games. Maybe he'll be playing more advanced. Maybe he'll stamp his name in. But that's a guy who played well under Potter, one of the guys he relied on. Let's see how it works out with the new manager. So there's a lot of things to be excited about. You're just looking around the squad. Pulisic has a clean slate again for the 15th time in his Chelsea career, right? You got guys like Madueke we might see be playing more often, who's been pretty much blacklisted outside of the Villa match for the last four or five weeks. So a lot of things to look forward to. But yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's do or die time for a lot of those players. You know, the ones that we just mentioned. But even guys like, uh, dare I say it, Mateo Kovacic. You know, some of the guys that have been there for a long time that have sort of been teetering on the edge of, are they surplus their requirements? Do we need to refresh that part of the pitch? Are we looking to go in another direction the way we're playing? I mean, those are the guys that really need to sort of stamp their name down in the team because looking down the list, Thiago Silva, Reese James, N'Golo Conte, I would say those are the three safest bets in terms of whatever happens between now and the end of the season, those are the three guys that we're going to be able to rely on no matter what going into next year. Everyone else has a question mark as, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe you could throw Chilwell into that conversation too. But everybody else... Reese James? No, Yeah, Reese, Chile, Thiago Silva, oh, okay. and Conte. Said, yeah, those are the only guys that we can absolutely bank on. If they come into next season healthy, they'll hit the ground running. Everyone else is a, is a throw of the dice. I mean, maybe I based on the Enzo evidence, you that. could say Enzo. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of that, there's really you can't really make a strong argument for anybody else outside of maybe Joao Felix if he comes back. And, and that's <laughs> another guy that has to play like every minute because now exactly we yeah. need to convince him to stay like, even more because the manager's gone. If he liked Potter, it's like okay, well now you need to just like the club. I so. think you'll like the idea of playing under Nagelsmann a little bit more than playing under Potter. But okay, all right, so <laughs> you just mentioned Nagelsmann. Let's, let's yeah. start talking about For like about the 30th that. time today. Yeah, you just brought him up. I don't... <laughs> can, you guys tell, can you guys tell that I record this podcast with no bias whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't tell. Um, all right, let's talk about the replacement. Nagelsmann's name... The unofficial official replacement. <laughs> and uh, a name that got brought up earlier, I remember one of you guys saying something about Antonio Conte. Maybe he's a possibility. I know Zach... Oh. I'm getting I'm getting texts right now in a group text between me Listen, and my, our other friend, and I just is, looked down and I saw it and I almost like shook my th- head. This this is his words. He wants Conte. He wants Conte. And you said happen. you said OMG. I will fucking love that. I would. I want. I genuinely. Yeah. I genuinely would love it because no, I still. No. I, 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 yes, I, I would. But. <laughs> He's Listen, just we're romanticizing not romanticizing it. We're not gonna end. we're not gonna have the conversation because it's not a possibility. It's not a name that Chelsea's been linked with. And I honestly don't think Conte wants to step foot in England ever again after okay, this experience. Hold on, so. hold on, hold on. Sorry. That that's a better reason. But Chelsea not being linked to him, I mean he's been available for 
a couple days. I mean, so is Nagelsmann. Okay, let's actually, you know, I take that back. Nagelsmann's <laughs> available a little, only like a couple more days later. But our, uh, our tinfoil hat says that we fired Potter because Nagelsmann was available a few days ago. N- Listen, Nagelsmann <laughs> no is clearly, I mean, at least in my opinion, I'll get the ball rolling, but as of right now, this this is my guy. I mean, just based on the current managerial market, who's available, the different kind of rumors that are going around. I mean, there's there's expected to be a giant merry-go-round this summer. Ancelotti's future's up in the air. Pochettino talks about Real Madrid. Andres just saluted to Bayern snatching up Tuchel. Uh, before a team like Real can. I mean, there's all of these different, you know, pieces that are moving. And out of all the names that have been linked with us, this seems like the only name that fits the sort of way- direction that the club want to go. They want to bring someone in that can work with the players over an extended period of time, meaning a few years, establish a way of playing, maybe sprinkle in a couple transfers here and there between now and the next three, four seasons. And then potentially build something special where we become a powerhouse either in England or Europe. Hopefully both. He's the only one that fit that has that capability and has that profile. Everyone else that I see, and don't get me wrong, there's good managers out there, but they're short-termists. And I'm looking at like a Mauricio Pochettino, for example. I don't see that being a, pro- a project manager, personally. I think he's going to have offers out there from teams like Real Madrid. Um, you know, the big boys are always going to be looking at him. So I don't think he'd be interested in Chelsea in the first place, but also I don't think he's looking to get into a project right now. I don't think he's looking to get into a five or six year thing and commit that long term of a future. So he's out. Luis Enrique makes me sick to my stomach. I don't I don't even want to see his name linked with us. All of the other names in the Premier League that are, you know, being floated around, none of them really get me excited outside of maybe Deserbi, but I still have PTSD from the Brighton thing. There's that Portuguese manager we're being linked with who's Sporting's manager who I didn't even know his name until today. Let's be honest with ourselves, guys. So as of right now, Nogglesman seems to be the dude. Um, that's as of April the 2nd, 2023. In a week from now, I guarantee you we'll be recording. If there isn't a manager that has been signed yet, there'll probably be another name linked with us. But as of at this point in time, this seems like the only real logical solution. I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, you 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 brought up uh, you were talking about Ruben Amarim, right? Was his name? Yeah, his name yeah, yeah. Amarim. Yeah, because um, the guy at um, at Benfica, what's his name? Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, he just signed an extension like a couple days ago. Like, and he's he's a name that's like, I think he's like going to be one of the next like big managers to be. Or one of the managers to get bought up by a, a big club, but I don't know if that's happening anymore. Um, hmm. I think he's out of the question for us. But there's other names that were brought up. Um, I know you said the thought of Luis Enrique makes you sick, but that's still a name that we're linked with. Eintracht yeah. uh, Frankfurt's manager. Um, he's Oliver Glasner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's another one. Um I mean, Andreas, you can you can talk a little bit about Nagelsmann as well, like who you want as your manager. But I mean, do any of the other names excite you? No, no, because we're supposed to be like we're supposed to be in the top four. We're supposed to be 
amongst the elite. We're supposed to be up there. Even if we're in a, in a rebuild, we need to have a guy at the helm that's going to get us there. So I think you have to throw everything, everything at Nagelsmann. There, I legitimately am at a point where it's Nagelsmann or bust. That's that's how I see this transfer. I can't. I don't know how you how it's anybody else, and to me, like the timing of this all is is way way too convenient. There's connections there, like Nagels. To, to, to recap, Nagelsmann didn't get fired by Leipzig. He had a great working relationship with everyone at Leipzig. We have Vivelle in a very big executive role. He signed a contract with Bayern. I think like it was like the third week of the season that he would take over at Bayern the following year. Yeah. And, and he, he, res- maintained he respected a, his contract with He Leipzig. maintained a professional relationship with Leipzig. They did well. Like nobody like, you know, was it down tooled or whatever they say in England. So he could he understands the the operation oh, operating system of someone like Vivelle. He's never managed the Premier League. Like he, he is known for tactical flexibility, right? Like he, people are like, oh, he chops and changes a lot. It's like he can play a back three. He can play a back four. He can play three in midfield, two in midfield, wing backs, no wing backs, wingers, no wingers. Like he does a little bit of everything. And luckily enough for him, we have everything. We have players that can play wing back. We have players that can play wingers. We have players that can play midfield. We're missing a DM. We're missing a striker. And luckily for him, we have a couple, we have an American owner who has his tail between his legs and needs to fucking succeed yesterday. So to me, it's him or bust, period. Like he's the only name. Like I, I didn't think, I don't think Madrid is, is risky enough to make a German guy that probably doesn't speak Spanish their manager, but mm-hmm. Nagelsmann speaks English. Like we know he does. Like, and again, the timing of this fire. How do we know that? How do we know that? Interviews, UCL interviews, like, you know, he gets interviewed by Paramount and stuff like that, post-match, things like that. Okay. Yeah, I guess his English is probably okay. Can I, can I add something Germans, to what Germans you... in general. Yeah. Can, can I just bolster your argument a little bit, Andres? I've been critical Bolster, of, bolster of, it? Bolstering it, yeah, because we're, we're both riding Nagelsmann's nuts, as we both should. And so um, <laughs> I, I highly recommend you hop on these nuts as well. Are they big um, enough to fit all three of them? I think they are big <laughs> enough. Um, no, but in, in in all honesty, you know, I've I, I've talked about Graham Potter's personality and like the energy he kind of gives off. The the fact that he sort of resembles like a like an elementary school teacher more than a motivating motivating football coach or a drill sergeant. And I think Nogglesman is more towards the vibrant. He's going to be on his feet on the sidelines. He's going to be pointing and shouting. He's going to constantly be berating the players if they're not doing what they will. He's going to be the polar opposite of what Graham Potter was, where you just kind of sit on the sideline, and if things aren't going your way, you sort of cross your arms and say, all right, I'll work it out at halftime, where Nogglesman is going to be on his feet, working it out as it's going wrong. So that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to with Nogglesman, besides the fact that he likes to chop and change his formations. I've been on record saying that I want a manager who's going to come in and just kind of instill a way of playing and say, fuck the way everyone else is playing. This is what we do and we're going to do it well. But Nogglesman proved that he can adapt and he could change his formations, change his style, change his tactics based on what the opposition's giving him. 
And in the Premier League, that's been proven to be hugely successful with managers like just look at Pep Guardiola, how many different formations he puts out in his title winning campaigns. So I think that's that's another positive for him, too. But we talk about all the other managers names that are out there and everyone else who we're linked with. And Andres talked about it. We're trying to we're trying to compete with the top four. Well, who are the top four managers in the Premier League at this very moment? You have Arteta, Pep Guardiola, Klopp, Klopp, and Eddie Howe. Out of all those other manager names that have been out there, outside of Pochettino, Nagelsmann is the only manager that I can see at some point in his career being put in the same breath as those guys. Nagelsmann got fired for losing three games this year. The man hasn't lost or drawn a game in the Champions League. Like I get get Bayern has a better team than us, but Mm -hmm. Bayern lost Robert Lewandowski, and they've had Sadio Mane out for most of the year, Mm -hmm. and they've been playing with fucking Chupo Moting. Chupo Moting at striker, the man that couldn't cut it at Stoke City. <laughs> like, and a random, bro, and a random right score? back. Who's that guy yeah, they're playing at right back? Yeah, never, yeah. Like, it, it's the thing that, like, again, I the moment that this happened, and, and Vegas odds, I think, have him, like, at 2-1 to one becoming our next manager, like, something crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how Vegas odds work, but my buddy who, like, is addicted to gambling told me it's a big deal. Yeah, that means a lot. Um, okay. <laughs> the one thing that I've been saying, because as soon as this happened, I've been Googling anything that tells me about Nagelsmann. Apparently, like, yes, he changes formation frequently. But the one thing about his teams is that these players know exactly where they need to be and exactly how to react to situations. And lo and behold, we just had a manager that wanted to give our players freedom of thought, and it went to shit. So how about we go back to a little bit of a little Nazi talk tactics kind of guy and see how that goes for us Uh, i don't know hopefully we're not going that far back um but uh not in the not in the world (laughs) war ii sense in the in the strict sense how about that yeah let's clarify (laughs) what we mean by that um yeah we're west we're gonna be western germany okay um so of course um i the thing i really like about nagelsman is like he kind of is like the same kind of backstory as Graham Potter, but he's also had a chance at like like managing bigger clubs. Like this is not his first big step up. Like when he started off at Hoffenheim, you can kind of compare that to Graham Potter taking over at Brighton, um, saving a team from relegation. Um, bringing them to European football at Hoffenheim. He became like the youngest ever manager to manage a, a Champions League match. And then, you know, got signed by Leipzig. He did a lot there, brought that team to semifinals in the Champions League. Um, and the funny thing about that, in that run, he beat um, Mourinho's Tottenham team. And which team did he lose to in the semifinals? He lost to Thomas Tuchel's PSG team, which adds more to this story. And I want him to be hired <laughs> so bad. I want him to come in so bad. And to see that happen would be so cool. But I guess logic, like as far as like being a Chelsea fan, that that's definitely the not the right way to do it. I'm I'm for Nagelsmann. I mean, if you look at his record at Bayern, 
25 matches, 15 wins, 7 draws, 3 losses. He's out of he's won all eight Champions League matches with them. Um but I think he's more he's he, like if you think about going into this season if Nagelsmann was available, you would 100% prefer getting him before Grant Potter. And this is Oh, even, a million this is, times. This is not even, and yeah. this is not the benefit of hindsight. Like, mm. you know, because going into the Grand Potter signing, we were all very high on him. We all thought it was a good yeah. signing. Mm-hmm. But I think even at that time, if Nagelsmann was available, we would all 100% say Nagelsmann over Grand Potter. Yeah. I mean, you, I, th- I think. At Tom, the time. you can even go, we've been on record for wanting Nagelsmann before. When we yeah, fired was, Lampard. When we fired mm-hmm. Lampard before Tuchel was hired, the conversation was, well, if we go for Nagelsmann, he probably won't come till the summer. And then that conversation was also, and we probably will lose out to Bayern for him. But and he yeah, was that. like what we wanted at the time. We're like, oh, he's killing it with Leipzig. That'd be pretty cool to have Nagelsmann. Like I that wanted- was the sort of talk. Back, and this was now, what, two years ago? Yeah. So like this isn't the first time we've brought him up. If anything, his CV has only gotten stronger because, again, like, man was fired and he's got Joshua Kimmich, he's got Joao Cancelo and, and Matias De Ligt all, like, shocked speaking in their internationals. Like, I can't believe this even happened. This makes no sense to me. Like, these are quality mm-hmm. players all speaking highly about a guy who got fired. Who then, apparently, then why was he sacked? Because apparently... Like things with the, his board were weird. He like decided to take a ski trip with his family during the international break, right after losing to Leverkusen, I think it was, and apparently that pissed off the board, and and then the board also saw this as a chance to like get the one that got away, and get Thomas Tuchel before Real Madrid came knocking in the summer. Should Ancelotti leave at the end of the year? Like I think yeah. it's a it's a very weird way that like. Funny enough, Tuchel got fired because he had a weird relationship with his owners, and now Nagelsmann got the same treatment, and then they grabbed Tuchel up. Like again, this this swaparoo of managers both getting fired for off the field weird things that probably could have been worked out may work to our advantage this time around. I, I again, I don't get how those three losses. I think it was one to Mushin Gladbach, one to Leverkusen. I can't remember who the third loss was to. But he was one point from the Bundesliga title. He's in the quarterfinals of the Pokal. And again, unbeaten, zero draws in the Champions League right now and the favorite to win it all. Yeah. And, and, and that it, summer that, that summer we sacked Lampard. Let's be let's be completely honest, just so we have it on record. Nogglesman just wasn't the manager that we preferred. He was arguably the hottest manager on the market. Full stop. Around that time, no. What? How old was he? I think it was thirty-one or thirty-two. Oh. Just barely. Full stop. I mean, yeah, he was the highest touted young manager in European football. And it I was even right been after... on record saying before we hired Tuchel that I wanted Nagelsmann over Tuchel. I remember being yeah, on this yeah. podcast, Andres, arguing with you. My case that I wanted Nagelsmann over Tuchel, and you were telling me no, just chill. Tuchel's the man. You were no, right I was about telling that you that I, I, I know but, I was saying that Nagelsmann just wasn't going to come immediately and right now would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, that my big thing was like, I've always had a bias towards him. Now it's finally the time that he comes in. But like, 
like you said, it, 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 there's so many moving parts in and around this situation that can, you know, ultimately impact what we do and obviously impacted what Byron went ahead and did. They're really, I'm just completely on board with what you said earlier. Like it is Nogglesman or bust because it's not a situation where there's, okay, we're going to go after Tuchel first. And then if not, we'll wait till the summer and get Nogglesman. There really only is one name out there that makes any sense. And all the, all of the other names that are out there are just either uninspiring, not good enough or not proven. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a for. I, I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion. It has to be. If but we you are said supposed Vegas, to be the club, we are. Vegas it's, it's been less than 24 lie. hours since, since Potter's been sacked. So, like, okay, but for all rumors, we know, a week from now, there could be three other names added to the list that are just not as even close to Nagelsmann, though. Man. But they'll Anything be, they'll be in the list. They'll be on the list because. They want a, a Chelsea job, and their agent is going to be leaking. They're going to do shit. due diligence. Like I fully believe that the board isn't just going to go after Nogglesman and that's it. Like they're going to make contacts. They're going to feel out a couple other managers. They got to get Plan B, C, and D. In Bro, line they need too. good PR. What better PR than a manager that only that had an over seventy percent win percentage this season I'm and agreeing. got the sack? I agree. Th- with there's you. no due diligence to do. He's there. I, I'm I am agreeing with you. Not All I am due diligence on is him. It's the club the is gonna do their due diligence on other options. Right. Like 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 if you're the club, you're 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 fucking either overconfident or downright cocky to think <laughs> that you're gonna get plan A. We're and Chelsea. You don't have to worry about a plan B, As C, it or D. Be. Listen, our plan A last time around was Graham Potter, and the only thing he turned into was an ASS. So it, it, there was no nice. like there was nice. no plan B. You. There was no. <laughs> that was a good one. Come on, give me that. I like that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. He was playing A and turned into an ASS. But no, uh, 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 just looking outside of you know the fact that Nogglesman has the quality and the age, and he fits the profile in terms of being a project manager because of his age and all that stuff. I went down a rabbit hole of completely and fully educating myself on Nogglesman playing style, all of that good stuff, and. The players that we have at our uh, the players that we have at our disposal are definitely going to fit what he was wants and is going to try to do. He signed Nkunku at Leipzig, and Nkunku's coming in next season for Chelsea. We currently don't have a goal scoring striker, but we're talking about the same manager that got Timo Werner to score thirty four goals in a season. We got a guy that loved to play. <laughs> Could he do the same with Lukaku? Who knows? I hope not. I hope Lukaku, just like Kai Havertz. Never plays for us again. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But like, look, you know, at at, at Hoffenheim and at Leipzig, I was a huge fan of the 3-4-3 or the 3-4-1-2. Also played the 4-4-2 here and there. At Bayern, he didn't really want to change what they were doing too much because the uh, foundation Hansi Flick set there was a pretty solid one to build on. So he went with the 4-2-3-1, had Alfonso Davies bombing up the pitch. I think Stanisic, that right back, or Pavard, whoever's playing there, tucks in and plays a third center back. They obviously go to a back three. It's very similar pressing styles to what we saw under Graham Potter, but with more intent that Nagelsmann likes to deploy, where it's not just like a full-out Gagan press, stereotypical German coach, where he has all 11 players pressing the whole entire time. He likes to press other teams in certain areas of the pitch, and he likes to target certain players 
on the other team when they're in possession, which maybe I'm just being ignorant or just downright oblivious, but I didn't see Potter do that once. And I think we see managers like Mourinho, managers like Conte, guys that we associate as being sort of quote unquote defensive geniuses deploying the same tactic. So that's something that we can see from Nagelsmann that's very interesting for me, not calling him a defensive genius because he's actually the polar opposite. Where he shines is the other side of the pitch, where he allows the players to express themselves, loves the vertical balls forward. He's always played with a really pacey striker, a la Timo Werner, for example, or a la uh, Leroy Sané, for example, or a la Sadio Mane, where they're running in behind and making those vertical runs for those vertical passes. He loves playing with three center backs, one in particular that progresses the ball into the midfield and becomes an auxiliary DM, a.k.a. Fofana, right? It, you look at all of these different pieces, and, and the list can kind of go on and on and on because you know he did that with Upamecano. I remember Upamecano, when he was at Leipzig, had the most pro progressive ball carries as a center back in Europe. And I think we're going to see similar numbers to guys like Fofana, guys like Badi Ashil. He loves to play with two staggered midfield, holding midfield players. So maybe that's a way to free up Enzo, especially if they're going to be playing staggered. Let's get a DM. Let's free up Enzo a little bit. There, there, there's so many options and different ways that we can play and setups that we can have under this guy. It's just, it's crazy to me to think that anybody else would be a viable option over him at this point. Just based on all the evidence, based on the way he set his teams up before, the players that he has at his disposal, it just seems like I'm not necessarily a match made in heaven because I'm I still have PTSD from the last managerial hire we had. But this guy does look like he's the closest thing to the sure thing compared to all those other fools. So, and yep. Andres will like this. He's a Tuchel disciple, and I know you already knew that. But for the listeners that didn't, played under Tuchel at Augsburg. He, I think he got, I think he hurt his knee or something, and then decided yeah, to become part of the scouting. Yeah, his career help. ended really early. Yeah, but. The seeds are there. You know, he's played under great managers. He is a great manager himself. He's proven to be versatile. He plays a bunch of different ways. Tactically, he's he's miles ahead of anything we've seen from Potter. I don't really need to make a further argument, do I? Hey, if if the if the owners want to just actually like cause all of our fans to riot, what they should do is hire to Zerbi. That would be... <laughs> dude, I actually... I got on... After the after the Villa match, I was, like, just so annoyed and pissed off, and I did the most toxic thing ever, and I was joining one of those teams... I mean, sorry, those spaces on Twitter um, with just fans bitching and complaining and saying the same shit over and over. And I heard one guy on there, and a lot of them agreed... It's like we need we should go after a guy like Deserby. Like what he's doing at Brighton is amazing. It's like Are you guys <laughs> insane? Are you guys actually insane? Do you remember what we just went through? We said the same exact things about Graham Potter. And <laughs> the, the the people who who hated him was or even before like thought he was the wrong hire is because he didn't have enough experience. Now you're gonna Hire his replacement, that would be comical. That would be comical. Song, what if Deserbi has a degree, degree in emotional intelligence, though? I, I, I would tell you you're full of shit. <laughs> I would say you're full of shit. And you have no idea what you're talking about. God, Zach, I would say whichever, 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 hey, whichever institution so... gave him that 
Well, you you gotta you gotta pull the plug on whichever institution gave them that degree. That is they a fake know bullshit. Doing. That is a fake bullshit <laughs> degree. I'm sorry. He made that shit. He made that shit on Photoshop, man. Powerful. That is as useful as like a woodshop class is hey, in 2023. To, to, Come to on. play devil's advocate, this is the part I was talking about. Graham Potter never took Brighton to Europe. Deserby, as an interim manager, yeah. had sixth place. And if he plays his two matches that he's that he has in hand, he's in fifth place comfortably. Dude, he's one, making so- one point and one point from the top four. Convince he's yourself like, that he's the one, please. He's Convince making no, Sully. Not. He's making I'll Sully make March. When we hire him. He's making Sully March look like one of the single best players in the Premier League this season. Deserve it. What did Potter? Nuts. Yeah, I didn't see Potter, Potter do this. Potter was in that like it's it's one of those things where like Potter was in that realm, and then Deserve's like almost there. And then where were we? We were in sixth place when Potter took over, and we're in eleventh. I think I, I saw this earlier today, and it made. I honestly can't even say it better myself, so I'll just try to repeat exactly what I read, but something along the lines of Eddie Howe is exactly who we thought we were hiring when we when we hired Graham Potter. And I was like, huh. A progressive English manager that doesn't play 4-4-2, attacking football, fluid. Eddie Howe attacking football? Eddie Howe, generally speaking, yeah. I mean, well, not this season at Newcastle. He's pretty much holding on for dear life. He has a solid-ass defense, but they're they're pretty free-flowing when I they mean, attack, dude. When he they, was they, 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 don't, they don't have a $300 million attack like City or Arsenal do, but... With Bournemouth... He's, he's everything Potter isn't, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, like, like we wanted that young English manager that we can build around, and Newcastle got him before we did. I mean, how many of them are there out there? Like... And and again, it's the board's fault for thinking that there's more than one out there. There isn't. Like managers like that don't come by often, and that's why when they do come around, you snatch them up and hold on to them for dear life, a la Julian Nagelsmann. I hope right, the board's listening to this podcast, I, I, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting any stake on the Eddie Howe claims you're making. But you got me again with Nagelsmann. We're back. We're all back. Right, all right. All right. All right. Last question. All that matters. All that matters. Last question before we wrap this up. Let's think about what happens to Graham Potter. Where where does he go? Does he does he go to another like top ish club or Leicester City's right there? Spurs yeah. are gonna be the manager. He oh. turned them down the first time. Wait, Brendan Rogers is available. Why why can we haven't talked about him? <laughs> <laughs> former you former just... Chelsea Academy coach, you know, bring him back. Legacy, you know, it's there. These are, the stories I want. Day, these, right? are, these are the storylines I want to hear going into this. I, I don't want it to be just a one-horse race, Nagelsmann. Like, that's not fun. That's boring. Let's throw out crazy oh. names out there. Just just have the media talk about bullshit. Make this a little bit exciting. It was an April Fool's joke all along. Grand Potter's still our manager, guys. <laughs> we got y'all. Yeah, the, the time zone messed up. Do you, you know? think it's funny that they announced it on the on the second? Do you think they purposely <laughs> waited until they waited a day just so they have. could avoid a social media like confusion? They because <laughs> they, yeah, they're like, okay, we would like let's sack them after the match. Wait, wait, wait. No, you know what? Let's wait until tomorrow. <laughs> People will think we're fucking with them. <laughs> It would be you no. Know, that would be a crazy, crazy prank. I can't. I can't believe a team hasn't done that yet. 
dude, no, that's fake not sack manager. Cruel, especially, especially when we're actually trying to sack our manager. That would have been super fucked up. Hey, if, if Arsenal, if Arsenal came out and tweeted that they sacked Mikel Arteta, like that would be one where it's like everyone would immediately know it's an April Fool's joke. Unless it was last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, was- right. Last year, what I would have, everyone would have believed that. <laughs> anyway, I I do have one last thing. Yeah, Liverpool midweek. Oh shit, we forgot about that. So like, I'll just ask you guys, what are what is the team gonna look like on the pitch? What what's Good the Hakeem Ziyech? What's the formation and what's the eleven? Who knows about formation? Do you guys know anything about Bruno's? Managerial well, that, style. Well, that's a question. Like, is he going to stick to back three? Is he going to go to a back four? Like, that's that's again. I think the I, board I, is going to have all their greasy little hands on this dude's thoughts. If I was him, I would pick up exactly where Potter left off. I go Chilwell left center back, Reese James right center back, <laughs> Koulibaly in the middle, Pulisic and Madueke as wing backs, and Golo Conte. He'll be our right inside forward. Um, what else? No, just I, I, I think I think the safest bet for Bruno at this point would be three four three or four two three one, just like Potter did in the past. Um, you're gonna oversimplify it. You're not gonna have these intricate passing patterns. You're not gonna have the seventy eight or eighty percent possession that we've been seeing. I think the key is just gonna be being really solid in defense, not leaking goals, and um, you know, just putting together a cohesive ninety minutes as opposed to trying to play beautiful, fluid football, and create all of these chances. I think we're just going to simply go back to basics, for lack of a better word. So, at least that's what I hope. If I was in Bruno's position, that's what I would be doing as well. Obviously, I wouldn't be trying to win a job for myself at this point, because I think it's hopeless with this team and the state that they're in. But if we're going to just talk about the general performance, I think that there will be an uptick in the energy. There will be an uptick in the commitment. And I think you're going to see that quote-unquote managerial bounce because of what Andres talked about earlier, the players are going to be competing for positions now. Nobody's safe. And that's always a fact when, you know, a manager gets sacked. So hopefully we see a reaction from the boys and uh, hopefully they'll give it everything. And uh... I have no idea what to expect, yeah. boys. I have no idea what to expect. I really, I would, I would not be surprised if we saw Mason Mount play. That's what I'm saying. I think and I'm, I'm okay with it. And I'll he could be, be okay auditioning for his new club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to audition for Tuchel. Tuchel already knows. Um, but, hey, one before we go, I just saw this. A quote from Julian Nagelsmann. If, if, you've are, if you haven't loved him enough already, Nag- Nagelsmann has revealed that Chelsea legend John Terry was his role model growing up. Oh, that's it. Baby. Oh. That's the, that's the rumor podcast. that's going around Twitter, right? That he would consider John Terry as part of his managerial staff. Oh, Listen, really? we would never have to worry about a halftime talk again. If that's the case. We would never have to worry about showing up to White Hart Lane and putting in a 2 out of 10 performance ever again. Like, like Those things just wouldn't happen with someone of that ilk in a dressing room again captain leader legend just facts captain leader legend baby all right that wraps it up for today's crazy episode of blues on parade podcast who knows what to expect in the next coming weeks that is the best thing about being a chelsea fan it's never never a dull moment 
Um, if you don't already, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Blues on Parade. Um, after every match, let, let's exclude this past match. After every match, we post a Twitter uh, question. And if you write in and respond, we'll read your question and answer it live on the show. Unless our manager gets sacked immediately after. Therefore, we're not <laughs> going to talk about... We're not going to read any of your questions because they're irrelevant at this point. But either way, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Keep your fingers crossed for Nagelsmann and keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>